Hey, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Create Show, and it is the first episode of 2019. I am your host, Eric Campbell. Um, welcome back. This is episode four of the Create Show, the first Create Show of the new year. Uh, we took a break last week. I was traveling. Uh, got down to sunny Florida uh, for the holidays, which was nice, and now we're back here in Atlanta, uh, and it's a lot colder. So it started out about 30 degrees today, and I think it's only going up to about 50. So uh, winter is definitely here. And so got some exciting stuff um, for the new year. Got uh, a schedule um, of new shows. Got some new guests lined up. One of the episodes coming up in the future, we're going to be talking with a an Emmy-winning uh, score composer. He's going to talk about his create, creative process for scores. Uh, I just got a, got some painters coming through the studio, talk about their process with their artwork, and talk to some authors in the future. I just got a lot of exciting things lined up as we explore all aspects of creativity and discuss ways to help you become your best creative self. The Create Show is now available. It's on iTunes. We are now on Spotify. All the episodes are there. And uh, you can see us at thecreateshow.com. T-H-E-C-R-E-A-T-E-S-H-O-W.com. You can also find me, uh, Eric Campbell, at uh, on all social networks at at Eric Makes Music, E-R-I-C-M-A-K-E-S-M-U-S-I-C. So uh, today, today's episode, we've got some, I'm going to, I'm pretty excited about what I'm showing, sharing with you today. We're going to discuss five steps to being your most creative self. Five steps to becoming or being your most creative self. Uh, I've gotten a couple of emails from different people who have been uh, excited about the show and have been asking for specific strategies uh, for dealing with the blocks in their own life or pulling the creativity out. Uh, and so today I'm going to share five steps that I think every creative can use to enhance uh, your creativity. Whether you are creative as a profession, whether you're a writer or an architect or a software engineer, or if uh, creativity is something you do as a hobby, uh, I believe that this is the thing that we need to truly enhance our lives and to, uh, to really be the best version of ourselves is operate in a mode where we are taking the ideas that are coming to us and that are all around us and we're helping them manifest uh, through whatever medium uh, we've chosen as our area of specialization, whether that's art, whether that is painting, whether that's drawing, singing, songwriting, uh, making pottery, whatever your medium is, um, I'm here to help you be more prolific at it. All right, so without further ado, what are the five steps for becoming your most creative self, right? First, we're going to talk about step number one, choose bravery. I'm going to highlight the steps and then uh, I'm going to break each one down. Step number one, choose bravery. Step number two, embrace experiments. Ste step number three, expand your horizons. 
Step number four, learn one or more skills deeply. And then step number five, practice releasing your creations. Those are the five steps. This is what I want you to, to be working on in this year, 2019. One, choose bravery. Two, embrace experiments. Three, expand your horizons. Four, learn one or more skills deeply. And five, practice releasing your creation. So let me talk about what I mean by each of these. Step number one, let's jump into that first. Choosing bravery. This is a mindset. And this is the first the first thing that each of us needs to tackle in order to, to have a more creative life. And when I first went to write these steps down, I actually... Um, wrote the first step as fearlessness, um, but then went back and changed it from fearlessness to bravery or, or courage. And the reason is because bravery is actually different from, from fearlessness, even though what we're fighting and what they're both fighting is the same thing, and that's fear. And fear is the kryptonite for creativity. It's, it's the thing that hinders us the most. Um, how many of us have, have had an idea or you can relate if you've had something you wanted to work on and then whether something in you tells you, oh, that's not going to come out the way you want or that's going to be a waste of time or you'll never make money doing that or, or you go to put it out there and you can, whether you consciously or subconsciously think about the ridicule you might be exposing yourself to you know, fear is the thing that stops 99% of the ideas from ever seeing the light of day. And so that's what we have to fight the most. And so when I originally thought about this, I was, I was thinking, okay, so fearlessness is what we need. We need to be fearless. But then I thought about, uh, there's a book I read, and I've talked about this book before called Big Magic, written by Elizabeth Gilbert who is also the author of a, a well-known movie that came out in, in a book series, Eat, Pray, Love, a number of years ago. And so she, uh, in her book called Big Magic, she describes fear as something that is a natural consequence of creativity, and it can't be avoided because creativity by nature deals with the unknown. It means creating something, making something out of nothing, making something um, when nothing was there. And in our DNA, whenever we deal with the unknown, we have anxiety about that. We have to have anxiety. We have to, we, there's fear associated with that. You stand, if you're standing at the edge of a dark forest and you want to step into there, you're naturally going to be afraid because you can't see what animals might be in there or what other dangers might be in there or what other people might be in there. So we as a people have evolved to be afraid or, or weary of that which we don't understand or of that which is not familiar. So creativity and fear are linked. So it's, it's a myth to think that we could totally eradicate fear from our lives or eradicate that sense, and we probably shouldn't. It's there for a reason. But we can persist through the fear that we fear feel, and that's what bravery is. Bravery is, is feeling the fear and persisting anyway. Bravery is 
writing a song and uploading it to SoundCloud and not knowing if you hit submit, will you get a whole bunch of trolls telling you that that's the worst thing they've ever heard and knowing that that's a possibility but still hitting enter anyway or submitting a painting to a gallery not knowing if they're going to reject it and tell you to never call them again but still submitting it anyway right bravery is is doing something despite the risk of falling on your face and so that's what we need because we need to have that ability to persevere through what could be humiliation and rejection and all the worst things that we could possibly imagine that our creativity is tied emotionally to. So bravery is important. Bravery is, is different from fearlessness, but bravery is important. Bravery is also different from faith. I have to differentiate it from faith because sometimes you might feel, okay, if I just have enough faith, I can put this work out there or I can do this creativity. And I'm a person of faith. I, I, I believe in God, and I believe that God is the creator. I, I actually believe that God, as the creator, gave us creativity. It's, that's the way that he made us in his image. He, creates this, he created this world from nothing, and he gave us the ability to, to create other things out of nothing. That's, that is our divine trait. It's our divine inheritance. So I'm definitely a believer in Faith, but I think that we use it wrong when we when we use faith as a way of saying um, that bad things won't happen or that there's nothing to be afraid of. So I can make something, I can create something, and I know it'll be successful, or I know it'll be um, approved, or I know it'll be accepted. I don't think that's what that's the way that faith is intended to work because the, some of the things that we are afraid of are actually real things. You, a song could be rejected. Your artwork might be um, ignored by the public. And it's, whereas faith says, I won't fail, bravery is more powerful and more realistic. Bravery says, whether I fail or not, I'm still going to put this out there. And that is but I feel that the number one thing you want to focus on is the number one trait you want to build. And good news is that bravery is actually easier to implement than fearlessness or faith, though, though faith is still important. But bravery is actually easier to implement because whereas fearlessness is probably impo impossible and faith takes meditation and prayer and internal work, bravery really requires just a physical action, taking a step. It doesn't re you don't have to change how you feel to take the action. You can still stay afraid and be afraid and take the action anyway. I'm, uh, I might be afraid of what people might say when I publish this episode of the podcast, but I'm going to publish it anyway. That's what bravery is. And so you have to be okay with falling on your face or okay with with not being accepted or know that it's a possibility but I'm going to push forward and so when you when you embrace this first step of choosing to take the brave course that leads naturally into the second step which is which I define as 
embracing experiments. Embracing an experimental nature, this nature that says, you know what, I don't know what happens if I try this or do this, but I'm going to do it and let's see what happens. Every creative needs to be at peace with being kind of this in the garage experimenter putting things together and let's just see what happens. Try and see what happens. We have to have a try and see attitude. Um, and I thought about this actually the way a lot of the way um, some of my thoughts in this podcast came together last night when I was thinking about what to talk about. So you know, I was watching a movie and I poured myself a drink, hat, went into where I keep my, my liquor and wine and I'm out of wine and I'm trying to get rid of a lot of bottles which only have like, you know, maybe a little bit left. I have a bunch of bottles of different things and there's only a little bit of liquor left in each of them. And so before I, I replenish my stock, I'm just going to get rid of all this stuff. So I was looking in the liquor cabinet and I didn't have any wine last night and I had um, a, about a little bit of um, coconut 1500 tequila and I had a little bit of mezcal and I had a little bit of cinnamon and there's so a couple of different vodkas and a couple of different um, rums in there. And so I was thinking, I said, okay, well, the mess, the 1500s coconut, that's a little sweet. I probably might go decently with the smoke of the mezcal, which is kind of like tequila, but a little smokier. And then, but then that with the spiciness of the cinnamon might go together really cool. So that's what I did. I made a little, a little drink. I did about two shots of the 1500, two shots of the uh, mezcal and about a shot of the fireball and put it in a glass with an ice cube and man it was really really smooth and it turned out really good I don't recommend it as a when I say I used a shot I didn't take it as a shot I, it was a sipping drink that you know I sipped slowly because I, I'm more of a whiskey drinker so I drink my drink slow um, but man it was really 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 good and it was just a crazy little experiment and that's a low-risk experiment, right? If the worst thing I could have done is if I did that and it came out horrible, then I just wasted some liquor. But, you know, for some people, that's enough to stop them from even trying because the bad side of what could happen is, is too risky for some people, right? So have you ever done that? Have you ever been, like, in the kitchen making chicken or frying up something, or just say like you're baking chicken, and you open up your spice cabinet, and instead of just, you know, normally you just do the standard salt, pepper, and, you know, seasoning salt or, or um, garlic or something, and then maybe the thought crosses your mind that, hey, I've got all this other stuff. Let me see what happens if I try cumin or oregano or basil or thyme or something. And you think about doing it, and then you pause, and you're like, no, you know what? Maybe I'll just stick to what I know. And at that moment, instead of experimenting and saying, let's just see what happens, you go back to the safe route. Why do you do that? Why do we do that? Is it because we don't, we're don't? we afraid of ruining dinner and then what our, our partner or spouse or kids might say if dinner's ruined? Or if we ruined dinner, then we would have wasted $10 of chicken and we'd have to throw it all out and buy something else? Like... The creative person is embracing 
that let's just try attitude and embracing whatever risks come with that. If I waste a meal of dinner, at the very least, I will have gained an education on what spices don't go together or what might not. That's, that's really how we learn. You gotta, embracing these mistakes is how we come across either learning what doesn't work or the best case, we find some new combination of something that we never thought about and maybe nobody else ever thought about, like mezcal, coconut tequila, and Fireball actually work really, really well together as a drink. So if we don't have that try-and-see attitude, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to come up with something really, really cool. Um, another example of someone who does this really, really well on a much bigger level is Elon Musk. Right? We know him a lot as the founder of Tesla, but he also uh, has the company SpaceX that does really cool stuff. You know, he is determined that that man should be living on Mars and that we should, you know, prepare for space travel to get to Mars and get there. And I don't know how I feel about that, but he is following that up with a lot of gutsy attempts to conquer space travel. And one of the things that the first problem he tried to conquer, so when he thought about living on Mars, he thought about one, we can't get there because we always spend a billion dollars on a spacecraft and then that spacecraft is destroyed and then NASA needs to spend another billion dollars to create another spacecraft to get us back into space. And so he realized we'd never get to Mars if we keep throwing away a billion dollars every time we do a rocket. So the first problem he tried to solve was being able to fly a rocket to space and bring it back down to Earth without destroying it and then be able to fly it back. Have one rocket that can do multiple trips back and forth up into space. So he started that, I don't know, maybe it was like 10, 15 years ago when he, when he started, but everyone thought that was ridiculous, right? And fortunately for him, he had the money because of his previous successes with PayPal and other businesses he was involved in that he had this money and other, you know, to, to experiment, but it was, it was like a let's see what happened, let's try it, I believe I can fix this problem, and I think if I put my time and energy towards it. And he did this with a let's kind of, let's try attitude, even though the entire world was looking at him. So his, if he failed, he would have failed so big, like the, the amount of pressure that's on him from everybody looking, everybody laughing, all from the Wall Street Journal to CNN and all these news commentators looking and, you know, NASA itself, who clearly in other space providers like Lockheed Martin, other companies who would have a lot to lose if he succeeded. So all these people want him to fail. And he tackles one of the biggest problems in our world and has solved it. He's, he ha and even the first couple of attempts, I want to say maybe, I don't know the right number, but maybe it was three to five attempts he did very publicly, tried to shoot a rocket into space and bring it down to have it land. And they all crashed. They crashed, it crashed. The TV carried it. Everybody around the world saw it. And he said, you know what? We're going to try it again. He, you know, he's running a company with thousands of people, so they're all looking at this failure, and he still is like, you know, I believe we can solve this problem. It's worth solving. Let's try it again. And he tried it again and again and again, despite all the rejection and the humiliation and everybody doubting him. 
Now we have ships that fly into space and land and fly back and land and fly back. And now other companies are like, oh, I wonder if we can do this too. And now NASA's like, oh, I think we might be able to, to, to have multiple trips to the space station and multiple trips to Mars. So we have, there, that's a great example at a big level with billion-dollar ideas, but you can do the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're just making chicken in the kitchen or trying to start a billion-dollar company. The essence of creativity is having that mindset that says, hey, I'm just going to try. I'm going to tinker. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I fall on my face, but the best that can happen is that I come up with something amazing. And this idea that's in my head that's just kind of on the brink of existence, I might actually bring it to pass and do something that nobody's ever thought of. So step number one, choose bravery. And if you can be brave, then that allows you to do step number two, which is embracing experiments. All right, I want you to think on that. We're going to take a little break. And I'm going to come right back with step number three, which is expanding your horizons. This is Eric Campbell with The Create Show. I will be right back. Last night, we had a horrible fight. I think this might be the last time. When you said those things you knew, you broke my heart. Mind the love we had, it was falling apart. I'm here in tears and out of my mind. I was a fool over you. How could I be so blind? All I wanna know mm, is can we just love? Welcome back to The Create Show. Uh, we are talking about the five steps to being your most creative self. Right? Step number one was choose, choosing bravery, choosing to be brave, choosing to be courageous as a mindset and an attitude. Number two was embracing experiments. Be willing to experiment, just trying stuff to see what happens and making that a regular habit in every aspect of your life. So that leads us to step number three, expand your horizons. Um, a, lot of a lot of creativity has to deal with solving problems. And if you look at people um, who do what seems to be original, when you're looking from the outside, it really seems like they're pulling these ideas out of 
thin air. You know, you look at Harry Potter and where this world came from, or George Lucas when he created the Star Wars and they created this whole intricate universe with all these rules and different creatures, and and you wonder where did how did this their mind come up with all these things? It seems like all these ideas are just pulled out of thin air, but in reality, most creative people are pulling ideas that they've heard before in one format and putting it into a, another format. And so a lot of um, authors will tell you, if you want to be a good writer, you have to read lots and lots and lots of books. And the more books you read, the more um, different insights you'll have as you're creating your own, your own story. And you really don't know where the next idea comes from. You don't know where the next solution to a problem might come from. And so the more insights you have, the more um, colors you have to pick from kind of in your, in, your, in your crayon box. So the best way to, to describe this, I think, when you, when you think of like solving problems, which is a, a creative skill, trying to, trying to find a solution. I used to work, um, before I did music full-time, I worked as a project management company, as a project manager for an IT company uh, called Accenture, and I would help clients find problems to technical, uh, and find solutions to technical problems. And I remember the, a lot of the training that we went through, we were always told to, no matter what industry we worked in, if we worked in the utility industry, we were told to kind of read the news and stay up on what was going on in, in industries all around the world. So even if you focused on, say, um, telecommunications and your, your focus was uh, cellular networks, you had to still read up on what was happening in the oil and gas industry and read up what was happening um, in the currency markets and read up and understand what was happening in uh, produce and retail. Learn as much as you can about how other businesses are organized and what other industries do to be successful because the way that a factory in China that does that makes leather goods, the way that they might overcome a problem might be the solution you need when you're trying to figure out how to build more cell towers. You don't, you don't really know where the solution to your problem is going to come from, but the more you expose yourself to how other people in other areas do things, the, the easier it will be for you to find a solution to whatever problems come your way. So, these, so things like creating characters and stories or coming up with innovative topics for a new, you know, a, an original concept for a new song. There really is no original anything. There's just repackaged and remade or building up ideas on other ideas. So the more you expose yourselves to other ideas, the better shots you have of coming up, coming up with something new in your area that no one else has, has thought about. So... The step number three of expand your horizons, you really have to make a regular part of your day. If you want to be your best creative self, you have to give yourself time to 
read as much as possible across a whole bunch of things. And, and it doesn't matter. The, 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 the cool thing is because you don't know where the information you might need in the future is going to come from, you can focus on things that you're interested in. Right? If you're a real big sports fan, you could read sports um, biographies of great coaches and uh, um, Heisman Trophy winners and get into uh, reading their memoirs or um, read, read their Wikipedia page for their story and their background. Um, but take in as much reading as possible, studying uh, books, reading document, watching documentaries on Netflix. And it doesn't have to be just about fiction or, I mean, nonfiction and knowing people's, people's individual stories. You can read fiction work. You can read sci-fi. You can read romance. You can read crime and thriller novels. You can watch uh, those kind of stories on Hulu and Amazon Prime. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, people would feel like kind of watching TV is a waste of time. And in some sense, when you're building a business or working, there's a waste of time component. But you should also know that there is a very positive aspect of that because if you're just studying these stories, this is building on your creativity. This is one of the only areas where watching TV or playing uh, games or um, casual reading or leisurely reading all helps feed your network of knowledge of how things happen in the world which is also why travel is good, traveling to as many different places as possible, whether it's different towns around your city or different states in this country or different countries across the world. The more you expose yourself to how other people think, how other people operate, again, the more tools that are in your toolbox. Right? It's, it's a, a, a vague step, and I, it's hard for me to give you uh, specific actions you have to take other than to say you have to make reading, watching um, informative programs, and exposing yourself to other people a regular part of your daily life. And one thing I can say, take whatever you like to do right now and try to add, commit to adding something new to it, even if it's the kind of music you listen to. If you're a music producer and you... You make trap beats, and you all you listen to trap beats. I guarantee you, it'll be really hard for you to to come up with anything creative until you start listening to something else other than trap music. You have to listen to country or opera or classical or or um, um, Latin music, salsa or bachata or something different to give your ear a different place to pull from. And then your trap beats will ha start having some originality and they'll start sounding different from other people's. You'll, be, you'll have different influences. You have to expose yourself to something different than what other people are looking, listening to. You're not just going to be original. with this. If you and I are listening to the same exact things all the time, then you and I will, will, will always make the same exact things. The only way you can differentiate yourself from me is if you start exposing yourself to things that I'm not exposed to or that, I, that I'm not privy to. So 
Expand your horizons. Read, watch, listen to different things. Turn on Spotify and turn on a random playlist that you would have never, ever listened to and just check out some new sounds. That's step number three. Expand your horizons. All right, we're going to come back. We've got two more, um, two more steps in this five steps. The next one we're going to come back to is learning one or more skills deeply. All right, we'll, this is The Create Show with Eric Campbell, and we will be right back. I see rainbows sitting on pillows. I feel angels sitting with the sun. Okay, we are back um, with the Create Show. This is Eric Campbell. And we are talking about the five steps to being your most creative self. And we are now on, less, on step number four. Learn one or more skills deeply. All right, this is really important. Um, we've talked about being brave and just being willing to experiment. And by nature, experimenting means you're going to try lots of different things. And then you're going to you know, expand your horizon so you have more inputs to pull from. You can kind of come up with some creative solutions to different problems. But the ideas in you need a medium. In the same way that a spirit needs a body, your ideas need some type of medium to realize itself. So all these ideas are percolating in your head. They're just bubbling below the surface. There are ways of expressing different emotions or different problems to different solutions to problems you might see or, or ca capturing how you feel, but that idea needs to come out some way. And, and whether that is going to take the form of a song that you want to write or a story that you want to tell, um, whether that story is going to come out on, in paper form or in book form, or whether that story will come out in visual form on the screen and as a film, or movie, or television show, or YouTube series, or whether that that idea takes um, form of a painting, and that painting is going to be in oil, or whether it's a, an image you see and you want to capture that image in a, in a sculpture with clay or some other form, each of those mediums um, require really specific technical skills to get your idea captured sufficiently. And so you have to, at some point, you have to 
choose a medium and then really learn that skill set deeply. So back in the you know in, in history when and times of the Renaissance, so some of the other great times where the, a lot of the great painters lived, uh, artisans studied with as an apprentice. They found an expert. They may have lived with that expert, and they depended on that person to teach them everything they knew about that art form. You know, they learned everything about sculpturing, sculpting, learned how to work with different materials, you know, learned what, you know, what type of materials needed to go in, in a fire, at what temperatures, for how long. They learned all really specific things, and then studying under a master, they could eventually become a master themselves. We don't really do as much apprenticing now, but it's still really important to have that specialized area of knowledge. Otherwise, you know, your idea might take shape, but it could lead to more frustration because you know in your head it's supposed to look one way, and then when you actually get it done or when you actually create it, you'll be frustrated if it doesn't seem the way that you originally imagined it. And that level of technical skill takes time and study. It takes practice and practice and practice. And so for me, you know, writing songs, I've had to learn a lot of, develop a lot of specialized skills. I've had to um, learn how to, the difference between writing for a recording artist versus writing for a television show, which has two different sets of rules and two different ways of applying lyrics. I've had to learn how to, as a musician, I've had to learn how to move from musician to a producer so that I could make my own instrumentals to write to. So I've had to learn, and I'm always learning and studying the latest um, production software. I have to learn what type of uh, new VSTs and plugins are out there. I have to learn how to use the new synths. I have to continually update my drum sounds. I have to continually find out um, how the new synthesizers work and how to automate the features on the synthesizers. That's a lot of knowledge. I had to teach myself Pro Tools and Ableton. I had to learn how to, to mix and how to apply reverb. I had to learn what compression was and, and, and how to apply the settings on the plugins for compressions. All these really specialized areas of, of knowledge that I've had to spend a lot of, a lot of time and, and studying under other people and reading books and watching YouTube videos. And, and it's a continual education. But that has allowed me to get to the point where I feel like if I hear an idea, a song idea in my head, I'm pretty confident I can make a song that sounds the way that I envision it. But it's taken me years and years to get to that place and years of, of, of study and trial and error. And so you, you have to choose, if you don't already know what your medium is, now some of you already know what your medium is. You know you're a painter, you know you're an artist, you know you like working, if you're an artist, maybe you like working in charcoal, or maybe you like, maybe you understand how to, how to work well in oil, or different types of paint, or you, you uh, do illustrations 
um, on, on a tablet, you prefer working digitally. You know, whatever your medium is, you might already know, you just have to continue to develop that skill and stay abreast of the latest updates. If you don't know what your medium is, you kind of have these ideas, then you need to give yourself a little room to experiment and try a couple of different things. If you're an artist, take different classes. Take classes in um, digital art, drawing on, on tablets with a, a stylus, and take uh, arts with, with using um, pencil, and take, arts, take, class, take classes where you're experimenting with paints and, and oils. Take different classes and try different things, and then at some point, you need to really specialize and, and dive in and say, okay, I'm going to spend the next year or two, and I'm just going to focus really well on knowing everything there is to know about painting with oil. Um, so phase one is experiment with a few different things, and then phase two is deep dive into one thing. Once you deep dive into one thing and you can get to at least a proficient level, even if you're not a master or expert, if you add a proficient level at something, then you can consider maybe something else. You've gotten good at oil painting, but you always wanted to try charcoal, and you can spend some time really deep diving into that. I wouldn't suggest trying to deep dive on two things at the same time. Pick a thing, make that your focus, find some experts, find books, find video, places to study, and then really deep dive on that. If you're, going to, if you're a musician and you want to master Ableton, don't try to master um, Ableton analogic and Pro Tools at the same time. Pick Ableton, which is a recording software. Do a deep dive study on that. Learn everything that you can learn on that. And then when you're really proficient at that, if you want to study, move over and learn about, about Pro Tools, then do that. If you want to, to, to get really good at playing guitar so that you can do live um, instruments with your music production, after you've gotten good, really, really, really good at your recording, software, then spend some time really focusing on your guitar lessons. So there's lots of knowledge to learn, but the best way to do it is to focus on one skill and really build that one skill up at a time. And while we are not necessarily studying under master's apprentice, we don't have that master-apprentice relationship anymore, we, we are in a time of, of accessible, we, ha we have access to really great repositories of knowledge. There's you, there is a YouTube video for any subject you can think of, anything you want to learn. Um, other areas, other education sites, some paid, some free, like Udemy or Coursera are, are great websites for finding um, video tutorials. iTunes has a whole iTunes University where Colleges have put their entire curriculum for different subjects online for free. So you can learn uh, everything you need to know about artificial intelligence and data science and user experience and philosophy and um, um, illustration, um, Photoshop. All these tools are available online for you to learn. So we are in a golden age of skill development and so all the ideas that are sitting below the surface, now is the time to build the skills that you need to get those ideas out. So that's step four. Find a skill, 
one or one to start, you know, ultimately it can be one or more, but you have to learn one or more skills very, very deeply, not surface level. Don't, don't, don't be satisfied with just knowing a little bit about everything. Pick one thing that you're going to do a deep, deep, deep dive in and really make yourself the master or extremely proficient at. That is step number four. And uh, that brings us to step number five, which is practice releasing your creations. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as soon as we come back. Step number five. This is The Create Show. My nine-to-five is just how I make money, but you're my occupation. I work night and day shift, and I put in overtime. What you need, what you want, you ain't gotta say I'm in your head and in your thoughts Yeah, I know you, babe, that's my job And with this love, it ain't even hard yeah. Cause we want all the same things We fight on the same team We share all of our dreams So I give everything to you Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it's true Okay, we are back with The Create Show, and we are going into step number five, the last of the five steps to being your most creative self. If you embrace all five of these, I know within a short period of time, definitely within this year, you are going to find yourself shining and making awesome contributions to the the world and areas of your creativity, which are so sorely needed. Um, so the fifth step is practice releasing your creations. Had to make this a step. Um, this is sometimes the most challenging thing. I know a lot of creative people across a lot of different industries, and sometimes the hardest thing for all of us is letting go of something that we've made and exposing it to the general public or putting it out there for use, which is also which also means putting it out there for judgment. And that is so hard for so many people. I, lots of us are sitting on catalogs of songs that we've started or books that we started to write or poetry that we've written that no one has ever heard because we haven't put it out there. I'm gu guilty of that, too. I have a lot of poetry that... Um, I've put some of it out there, but a lot of it I haven't put out there. And so they're uh, releasing the work is a habit that you have to start early. And um, I guess first looking at why we hold on to things that we hold on to, I think this goes back to step number one, which is one of fear and definitely the fear of judgment. And so if, if we have made this decision to be brave, then we will be able to expose our creations to other people, even if those creations are rejected. We have to be comfortable with that, with that 
fear, comfortable with fear and comfortable with the possibility of rejection. Um, I think the other reason why we sometimes hold on to our things is because we don't always feel like things are finished. And this is a big, a big issue, you know, and I think this goes back to one, knowing our skill set deeply, which is step number four. At, when we're not really at a point where we're able to make everything the way we hear it in our head, then we tend to want to hold on to things because it's not quite ready, it's not quite finished, there's still some things I want to change. Um, and the problem is, though, that by the time, sometimes by the time it takes us to get everything ready, so much time has passed that what we have created may not may no longer be relevant, or now it needs to be recreated or remixed or rechanged, and then we kind of starting back from the drawing board, or at least having to delay another six months or so while we make remake what we already made, and so. Releasing things, even if they're in, uh, in a not quite perfect state, needs to be a habit. Um, back in my project manager days, I actually had a, a good mentor who was another project manager who used to say that, who used to remind me that when we're on a project, we are doing the best that we can do at that time with, with the information that we have, with the skills that we have. And this at this time, we were doing mostly software development, which is a form of creativity because you're creating something that didn't exist and you're creating a solution to a problem. Um, but inevitably, when you're making you know some new software, there's always something you feel like you can do a little better. There's some window that can look a little better. There's code in the background that can run a little more efficiently, that could take less time. And uh, this manager reminded me or, or taught me that sometimes you have to put things, release something, even if, they're, even if it's not in its perfect state. You have to learn how to be okay with good enough. And the person who can release 10 things that year that are good enough has come a lot farther than the person who's waiting a year or two to release the one thing that's perfect. And, and, and that's a mindset shift. That is a mindset shift to say, okay, this thing could still be worked on, but at, and it, is it good enough? Will it still do what I hope for it to do? Will it inspire somebody? Will it encourage somebody? Will it, will it um, make somebody happy even in its current form? Or do I need to hold on to this for another year or two? Sometimes it's doing more good for people uh, out at 80% than for nobody to hear it until it gets to 100%. So you have to, and that is a habit. I think the more you get comfortable taking what you've got and putting it out there. And now these days we have the, we have these networks these distribution networks like an Instagram or like Twitter or like Facebook where you can actually test a product. You can take a song, you could take a, a snippet of a song that's only 15 seconds long and put it out on Instagram and at least get reaction to it as opposed to waiting until all three minutes are totally produced and fully mixed and fully mastered 
you know, while you might be waiting to fully mix and fully master your song before putting it out, some uh, somebody else across the country is sitting in a room with a cheap $15 mic and a guitar and singing their song that they just wrote last night and putting it up on Instagram and a thousand people have heard it and shared it and like it and are inspired by it and are encouraged to move on to their day while we're over here seeking perfection because we have to raise a thousand dollars to pay somebody to master it. So sometimes that level of detail is necessary, but it's not always necessary. You have to, I want you to start thinking about looking at what you're making, make something, put it out, make something, put it out, make something, put it out and get in the habit of taking what you make and putting it out to the world and not putting your whole life and your whole heart on that last thing that you put out, put it out and move on to the next thing that you're going to make and put out and move it on to the next thing. So if you're putting out enough stuff, you're not going to care that nobody listened to the first thing you put out or the second thing that you put out because the more things you put out, you're also getting better at making and you're improving at putting you're learning and improving just the ability to put yourself out there. You're learning more about marketing every time you put something out. You're learning what your fans like and what they respond to. And some, if you wait too long, there's a lot of feedback that you're not exposing yourself to. So all that to say, you have to make releasing your work a habit. And that is the fifth step to becoming your most creative self. If you do these five things, let's summarize. If you decide to, to, to take the brave step, you can't eradicate the fear, but you can choose to create and experiment and release in spite of that fear. So step number one is choosing bravery. Step number two, ex, ex, embrace that experimental nature. Just try it and see what happens. It might not work trying to mix country with opera and making a track and then putting 808s on top of it. It might sound horrible, but try it. See what happens. Step number two. Step number three, expand your horizons. Read, watch, take information from lots and lots of different sources. Expand your, your view of the world. That's where your next new original idea is going to come from. Step number four, learn one or more skills very, very deeply. And step number five, practice releasing your creations. Make things, try things out, and then put them out there and see what happens. It's a, you know, sometimes we take our creativity too seriously. It's kind of like, you know, you can think of it like it's, it's a game, you know, trying things and seeing what happens, putting things out there, seeing how people feel about it. And you when you can take a lighter view of the things that you make, you're able to maybe be more comfortable trying something new and also be more comfortable putting out there. Because, hey, we're just here, it's, you know, creativity is really about playing. When you were a kid just playing on the playground and making stuff, whether you're making little robots or playing on a game, you didn't take it too seriously. If you kind of get back to that mindset as an adult, I think you'll find your creativity, creativity to be a lot more productive. All right, that's where we are. This has been the Create Show. I hope these five. I hope you take these um, to heart. I'd love to get some your feedback. You know, some more emails or comments. Leave a comment on 
our page. Let me know if you found this helpful. And if you have specific questions or something else that's blocking you, something else that's stopping you um, from um, being your most creative self or something that you just need advice or help or any other assistance, shoot me an email. You can email me at thecreateshow at gmail.com. Um, and you can also leave a comment on my Instagram page. My personal Instagram is at Eric Makes Music. That's also, you can find me on um, Facebook. And so on Twitter, you can find me at, at Eric Makes Music. That's all my social networks. So comment on any of those areas or send me a mail at thecreateshow at gmail.com. Uh, just asking you a question. Um, the best questions I'll read off on some future episodes and be sure to answer them publicly. And I'll also do some blog posts about other questions that I might get. So thanks for tuning in. Again, if this is helpful to you, I'd love for you to uh, follow me on, follow the podcast on Spotify or iTunes. Would love an iTunes review. That's probably the best uh, shout out you can give me. And the next thing you can do is to share this content with somebody else who doesn't know about it. So tag the podcast in an Instagram post or a Facebook post or um, on Twitter and help spread the word to other creative people who need help becoming the most prolific versions of themselves. All right, look forward. We've got a cool show coming up uh, next week, and we'll be back here. I want to shout out James Caldwell and Rick Ross here at the Music Education Group for allowing me the use of these facilities uh, here in Southwest Atlanta at the Dunbar Recreational Center. Shout out to E, who is uh, helping out on the boards and doing the recording. He's always comes in handy with the engineering, and I definitely appreciate that. And just uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll be back here next week. Take care. Have a good one.